Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. My goodness. We have an incredible incredibly large mailbag for this week it is a monday morning mailbag on a tuesday afternoon i'm scott belford joined as always by the best co-host in the biz adam mack we comb through all your interaction throughout the week every single tuesday at walk-off podcast on twitter the walk-off podcast on instagram you can join the discord just shoot us a dm things are going on there all the time and you can get your questions and comments on uh by messaging us on discord we also just comb through the discord and kind of pick stuff out as we see it you can also get that priority bump that much needed priority bump these days because we're at the point where we're literally getting hundreds and hundreds of questions and comments a week so if you want that bump you join patreon only four bucks a month you get one extra podcast a week every week mlb mondays you get the priority bump on the mailbag and you get instant access to all of our programming whether it is just your regular mailbag or your friday afternoon show as well as all of our interviews. Edmonton Show. We are going to be doing the live podcast. We did it in in Calgary here. What was it now? A couple weeks back? It was so fun, though. Like, it blew me away what uh, interactive and different vibe it was. Adam and I both stand up comics and, like, you know, live entertainment. It's where... Uh, um, we're most comfortable. I would say mm-hmm. it was, it was honestly, dude, it was so weird being on stage, doing the podcast. And in that four to five minute range, you know, of once we kind of got our feet under us of it, just being, I felt like it elevated the show, just having people there and like being able to see and read their faces when we're talking, like there's something about it, but anyways, Edmonton, you got to join us. We're going to be at long roof brewing. July 13th, so right after the All-Star break, right before baseball gets back into the swing of things on the 14th there. So if you're needing that uh, infusion of J's into your life, then we can provide that for you. We're trying to unite all Edmonton Blue Jays fans under one roof. So you can use the code WALKOFF to get your tickets. We're going to put the link in the comments, but Long Roof reached out and have said that they have opened up a table of four tickets that we can give away. So this is what we're going to do. If you are an Edmonton Blue Jays fan and you are currently watching, send us a message, however you want to do that, whether it's on Instagram, Twitter, send us that. uh, If you're a member of the Discord, reach out, right? Answer this question. Who was the last Toronto Blue Jay to win a Cy Young Award. If you get that correct, we're going to throw you in the in the draw bucket and we will have a winner for you on uh well we'll announce it Friday. So a little a li- some scheduling information here too before we get into the mailbag. Adam's just laughing as how all over the fucking place I am right now. Uh <laughs> we will announce this at the uh, like if you win, we'll let you know on Friday so you have the full week to kind of get ready or whatever, but uh, we are going to miss Friday's episode. 
So Adam is in the final swing of packing up the house he's currently in before he moves into his brand new place. Look at all those boxes behind him. Oh, so just so you know, I'm not making it up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. A little proof that this isn't just your constant excuse for. I'm not just looking for a holiday. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So anyways, we're going to miss Friday show. We never miss Friday show, but we are going to miss it. We're going to miss Sunday's long toss. This is something I was Adam even said it's on the fence, but uh, I am going to be in Seattle for the all-star break. I'm catching the <laughs> futures game. I'm catching the home run derby on say Monday. Hi to Sam reverse for me. I will say hi to Sam for all of us here uh, <laughs> at the walk-off and the grounds crew. And then on top of that, I get to watch the actual all-star game on the Tuesday. So we are going to do mailbag on Tuesday. We'll be back to our regular schedule next week. So you will hear all of my details on the all-star weekend. But uh, yeah, we are going to miss Friday's show. But again, anybody- enter the contest. If anybody on West Coast Canada, because I know every baseball fan in Western Canada loves to go down for Blue Jays in Seattle. So mm-hmm. If anybody's able to make that trek for the All-Star Game of the Home Run Derby, go say hi to Scott. Yeah, definitely. You should Don't reach be out. shy. Don't be sneaky with your photos and discreet. <laughs> Only go... for me to hear later that you yeah. saw me and you didn't want to yeah. come up. I looked yeah. busy. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> I got about a half a dozen messages like that for people when I was in Pittsburgh, buddy. People were mm-hmm. like, I think I saw you, but I didn't want to come up. You seemed busy. Like, I'm, I'm just God's not here. busy. Come say I'm hi. I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's get into it. Again, enter the contest. All you got to do is reach out to us with the answer to who is the last Blue Jay to win the Cy Young. We put your name into the draw, and then you could have a table for four at our live show. All right, let's do it, buddy. Okay, yeah. Um, We're going to start with a fun one. We're going to end with a fun one. It's a fun sandwich. Mm -hmm. So from Johnny Eaton says, Hagen Danner needs to get up to the major soon. So they can try for a Hagen Doss sponsorship day since the Chapman's ice cream never panned out. I just... <laughs> it's a, it's a simple pun, but I appreciate it. So I appreciate you. it. By the way, everybody, johnnyeaton.com is where you can find Johnny Eaton's album. And it is fantastic. Honestly, it's got this like subtle East Coast vibe to it. He's got this like, rich deep voice and bluesy and soulful uh very very good like i was i was surprised no offense johnny you just <laughs> you don't you don't know right you don't you know, don't know. When you're, you don't know but yeah, it was yeah. so good anyway so uh friend of the show member of the grounds crew member of the patreon if you're into good music check out johnny eaton uh johnny messaged me by the way and said to uh give him my address and he'll send me a cd uh, yeah, two two things are holding that up. First of all, I'm moving. I don't know my new address yet. <laughs> um, and second of all, I'll have to get a CD player. <laughs> yeah. Do you not even have your computer? You could throw it. Can you not I, just? Uh, I don't have oh, a disc even, drive. Right. No computers would even do that anymore. Yeah. What, yeah. What computer that's within the last ten years plays a CD? <laughs> you go to my mom's house and play it, maybe. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, uh, there you go. Uh, Johnny, we love you. And uh, let's move on. Uh, some sad news. 
Hmm. Kyle Johnston, friend of the show, Blue Jays hmm. prospect, messaged us and uh, said, I just want to let you all know I'm with the Rockies now. He's released on Wednesday. Uh, says, thank you for the support, inviting me onto the pod. I had a ton of fun and wish you all the best. So cool. He, he messaged us and reached out mm-hmm. for uh, for the update. Uh, totally best of luck in Colorado. Awesome to see he was picked up right away. I agree. And we really are rooting for you, Kyle. Really appreciate all the time and generosity with uh, coming on the show. And it's kind of a bummer because I know when we talked to Brian Frank of The Herd, right? The mm-hmm. reporter for the prospects and triple a buffalo kyle johnson was one of the guys he was like honestly he's back from the injured list he has looked really good in his short stint with the blue jays even though his are with the bisons even though his numbers weren't weren't jumping off the page and he even predicted that he might be able to contribute to this blue jays bullpen this season so it is too bad of course it is a constant um a constant spin of the wheel right Mm -hmm. when you're when you're that for a guy and you're trying to fit into the 40 man and you're trying to fit into the triple a prospect rankings so uh mm-hmm. it is too bad he was released but again really glad to see him land on his feet really glad to see him back with a triple a affiliate and all the best in colorado kyle uh yeah thanks mm-hmm. for reaching out um okay greg kennedy at greg kennedy sorry tweeted at us and said, uh, not including last night's game, Teoscar Hernandez is on pace this season for 30 home runs and 100 RBIs. Uh, and that is with a rough April and May, just saying. Yeah, he is. You know what Teoscar Hernandez does most years? Keep pace with 30 home runs and 100 RBIs. It's why he was the cleanup hitter slash five-hole hitter for this team for years. He's always been the guy kind of driving in those runs and he has been missed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It does, I, I don't know what, I don't know what to say other than he's also uh, going to be 31 this off season and due for a payday that I don't think the blue Jays should have ever considered giving him like, that's part of the equation. Like it's, I mean, I've, I, we, we, we talked about this really briefly before you hit record, just the recency bias of the Teoscar and Lourdes loss. Because if you go back 18 months, the comments we were getting about Teoscar and Lourdes definitely weren't, oh my God, these are the reasons why we're almost winning, right? Like, like Lourdes and Teoscar are going to take us to the promised land. No one was saying that. I, I swear we were getting no sort of feedback that way. And the amount of comments that we have been getting lately about, oh my God. And I don't even think Greg means it that way. He's just like Teoscar, you know, it's pretty obvious what is lacking in this team offensively is a big bat in the middle of the order. We just haven't had that guy driving in runs in the four five hole. You look at the names on this team, you think there's someone there that could slot in. But production just hasn't been there. So, yeah, you can dream of what this roster would look like with Teoscar in the four hole if you want. I, uh, I, I'm i glad to see Teoscar has done well. Yeah, good good for Teo. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to add there. But uh, 
Okay. Um, on Patreon, Mustard Tiger commented on last week's mailbag. Says, I'm about an hour in and I truly love that this has become an airing of grievances. Dunking on the comments. It's a special brand of petty that I feel a strong connection with. Uh, it says, can we make this a regular segment? Once a month, it's the FU mailbag. Uh, <laughs> we just roast all the bad takes. So I kind of love that idea. Maybe that's something we'll, we'll revisit. That was by accident, by the way. We just wound up having a fairly negative mailbag, and maybe uh, we did get a little saucy by the end. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's just how she goes. It was our Festivus uh, mailbag. The airing of <laughs> Um, and then Mustard Tiger got busy on Discord and messaged us. Mm-hmm. Um, said, you guys have broken my brain. Dude, I've never been so excited about the prospect of selling. LOL. This was from our video yesterday, our bonus content we put out. Right. Mm-hmm. So every every Monday we do MLB Mondays, and that's a Patreon exclusive. We run that. Uh, four bucks a month gets you into the the Patreon exclusive there. But what we did is we cut off because Adam had missed long toss, so he didn't get you didn't get to uh, to air your grievances mm-hmm. with the Blue Jays Red Sox series, and you had things to say. So we took the fifteen minutes off the top of yesterday's MLB Mondays, and you released it as a as a bonus content. So that's what this is about. Yeah. <laughs> um. So he says, Jason Dominguez for Josh Donald. Sorry, Jason Dominguez, which is one of the Yankees' top prospects. Have you seen the size of that kid? He is massive. Yes. Um, he looks he's a lot older than he is. I he's think he's 19 now. They love those monster dudes, oh, eh? Do they ever? Do they ever? Anyways, uh, Jason Dominguez and Josh Donaldson for Matt Chapman. Let's do it. Uh, might need to hose those. Might need to hose Josh Donaldson off outside. Don't want him tracking that Yankees stink into the clubhouse, but bring back the MVP. He should retire here. It would feel amazing right up until he's about a half hour late on an upstairs fastball. <laughs> yeah, he's old. He's washed. Uh, but He is washed. I would say he is washed, but that was something we brought up on MLB Mondays is, you know, who needs a third? Because we were talking about, not a full rebuild, but maybe selling and retooling at this trade deadline rather than augmenting this bunch. Exactly. And one one of the things uh, we brought up was Matt Chapman. Mish Beer gave us the old OF oh, no on Donaldson. <laughs> uh, so I'm kind of, I don't know. Donaldson, obviously not good right now. Yeah. Could he find it though? I wouldn't be surprised. Like if does he have six weeks of Matt Carpenter in him from last year? That's what year? I'm saying. Like, Who saw it, Matt it, Carpenter it, coming last year? It, it really is possible. It really right? is possible. Uh, honestly, this was mostly in jest when I brought this up. I don't actually think that the the Yankees and Jays would make a trade, especially. No, but that's the kind of move. Like, if we were to move on from Chapman, is to that say is the kind of move. That is the is kind to of say move. package a, a top five prospect with your bum third baseman that can still play for the rest of this year, and then we'll worry about third base in the off season. Exactly. So, um, Johnny Eaton 
on Patreon says, with Espinal able to play third base uh, very serviceably, moving on from Chapman makes sense to me. But if the Jays uh, start selling, they could put themselves in that hole where free agents are not interested in coming here because we aren't threatening enough. So I will push back a little on that. And the reason for that is free agents love their fricking money. Oh boy. Do free agents love money. Can't wait. They're thirsty (laughs) little bitches when it comes to that dough, buddy, they just can't get enough. So I don't know if it would actually, if the Jays are prepared to spend affect free agency. And when we talk about selling at the deadline, I'm not, Personally, anyways, I I am a totally against breaking up this core. I want to see them bolster the peripherals again, right? So move on from Matty Chapman. Maybe you, if you if you can get a couple prospects for Brandon Belt. These are the kind of deals. The expiring contracts either re up on Kiermaier or maybe you move on from him. You know, like there are some really valuable pieces here that would get a big return. I'm not even sure if I'm on board with selling. If the truth be told. I mm-hmm. kind of, you know, and we talked about this yesterday on MLB Mondays, Adam. I know I got you. I got you hyped up because I'm so damn charismatic. That's that's you are. Issue. Yeah. You slept well, you on even it. Said, there was there was a moment in the show where you were like, talk me off the ledge. And I'm, I, I even said, what are you talking about? You talked me onto the ledge. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I was already off the ledge. Like <laughs> uh, uh, this is a team. And we mentioned it yesterday, dude, that they're going to be where they are right now. For the rest of the year, they're going to be in the hunt for a wild card spot. Yep. What, how this turns out. So this is where I just don't think the front office with Ross Atkins, presumably having his back against the wall, you would freaking hope his job is on the line with the job that he has done currently. Um, you would think that they're going to do nothing but buy. And when Ross Atkins joined Blair and Barker on Monday, that was or sorry on Friday. That's exactly what he said, right? He literally was like, we are going to, how did he word it, Adam? There's almost no way we don't buy or something along that lines, or he can't see yeah, a scenario like in which we don't buy. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. I, uh, I don't think like blowing up the core is never the point of what I was getting at yesterday, which um, a lot of the comments seem to agree with me but i don't think they necessarily got maybe i didn't express my opinion like a lot of it was oh yeah this team is needs to be totally disassembled and that is not my opinion mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm sorry if it came across that way it it is more of the focus on uh the Brandon belts and the Matt Chapman's and yeah, like let's if yeah, let's uh... there are two people. There are okay, so there's three camps. There are three camps right now in Jay's fandom. There is this is still a very competitive team. I've sat through too many losers to not enjoy a team that is competitive, which they are, mm-hmm. whether you like how they are doing it or not. You can't argue that they're not competitive because they're right there in the thick of the playoff hunt. Mm -hmm. So let's bolster at the trade deadline and go for it in 2023. So that's camp one. The second camp is, you know what? I just don't think that this is the year. I think that's where we are, Adam, in camp two. Yep. So let's retool. 
bolster the peripherals again and go back at it and hopefully have a better showing in 2024, a year that I still think they should be their sole goal, a World Series championship in 2024. Then there's the camp of this team sucks. This is not the core. It's not the front office. It's not the coaching staff. Let's strip this down to nothing and start from scratch. So those are kind of the 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 three camps. Yep. And we're in camp I'm, two. <laughs> we're in camp two. I mean, I think. I mean, my philosophy. And if we're, I, I'm even have. I've got a foot in camp two and a foot in camp one, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. Is that like I, I am a believer in the, if you can make it to the playoffs, anything can happen. I did specifically say that in yesterday's episode too and we even got some comments along those lines of like oh this is probably how phillies fans felt last year and then of course the phillies were to the world series and yes that's absolutely correct like yeah that's my point is that but you also can't bank on it and we don't have much like spending capital to go out and make trades so i'm just saying from a point of The Matt Chapman of it all. And I love Matt Chapman. Mm -hmm. We both do. But if we can swap him for a few prospects, not significantly take a step back, like if you believe in Espinal uh, to play third base or, you know, just like, you know, is there a way that instead of going all in and seeing Ricky Tiedemann sent off in order to get a high leverage bullpen piece for 70 games on a rental. You know, I'd rather not. I'd rather do the opposite of that. You know, I'd rather still try and sneak in. Um, I don't know. I, I, I've always been a proponent of the, like the bigger your competitive w- window, mm-hmm. better off you are. Right. So this is just for me an opportunity to like have more competitive seasons in the near future. Right. Like, and we don't know what this front office is thinking either because they may have already at this point decided that Matt Chapman is somebody that they need to lock up because third base is not going to be a position that they want to deal with come the offseason. Totally. And maybe at this point they are fairly confident that they can convince Matt Chapman's camp that he's not worth $200 million. And I I think that Matt Chapman is in a place right now after cooling off after April, where he has come to realize he's probably not worth $200 million. So are we as Jays fans with Matt Chapman at age 29, turning 30, are we okay with a hundred million dollar five-year deal for Matt Chapman? That's probably what he's around right now. I almost might be. There's a lot of things with this lineup that need correcting in the offseason. And if Matt Chapman is re-signed, there are some other moves that need to be made. But boy, oh boy, he sure is a vacuum at the hot corner. And it is nice to have that guy who really shores up the defense. So who knows? Like, I just, I just am at a point right now where it's such a roll of the dice if this team makes the playoffs or not. And then if they do make the playoffs, it's even another roll of the dice. If they do anything 
that maybe it is better to change your view to 2024 if you're this front office. I don't know. We can move on, though. Well, and yeah, like the Matt Chapman, if he is part of the long-term plans from the front office, okay, then let's do the same thing with Whit Merrifield. Let's, like, Whit Merrifield could also help a team. And I don't, I don't think, I don't think there's a budget for Merrifield and Chapman. No, I don't think so. Like, if we're picking up the Whit Merrifield option at 18 million, I don't think we're, so. Like, and Adam, I don't know where you are, Adam, on, on Merrifield. I like Whit Merrifield. I do too. He's he's 34 years old and I'm fine with moving on from him at the end of this season. Yeah, I am too. But I just mean, if that's the plan. To move mm-hmm. on from then them, move them and then, then move them and let's go get a triple a bullpen arm whatever and and have espinal play second base full-time like if that's the step down from merrifield to espinal is worth uh a bullpen arm with a whip around one for me in my opinion i am so glad i don't need to make these decisions you know what you like i I I I badmouth Ross Atkins all the times, but my God, dude, to try and balance getting value out of out of your investments with also making the decision whether or not you want to go for it, you know, like the thing is, if they do sell their expiring contracts, it is waving a pretty big white flag to a fan base that can see the increased ticket prices coming that have already been warned that, listen, if you're going to sit in the one hundreds next year, you're going to be paying hundreds of dollars to do so. Right. You are now, instead of paying $22 to go sit in the five hundreds, you're paying 40. It is just more expensive to go see the Toronto blue Jays in 2024 than it has been in previous years. And we'll see how this ownership goes about convincing people that this is a team worth paying that kind of money for. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like there's yeah, the business of it. Yeah. All right. Uh, here comes from camp one. I think uh, Jason Saunders says, uh, what, what effing pardon me. <laughs> Fist comment. Uh, I've watched this team for four decades and for at least 30 of those years, we've had almost zero chance of making the playoffs or even true um, or even (laughs) keeping themselves in the hunt beyond July. Uh, Now, because they aren't the odds on favorites to win the world series, we got to start selling the farm. No, I can't be on board with this nonsensical hullabaloo. Uh, Just some great words in this comment. Mm -hmm. Uh, This just shows how spoiled we've been. There have been playoff appearances and big free agent signings and splashy trade trade deadline dealings. Truly all things to cheer about and get excited about as a fan. But as a fan, when you get half a shot, you don't sell it. Uh, I think this season they should add some guy to eat 66 innings so the bullpen doesn't get exhausted. A decent uh, 7th to 8th inning guy and eat the salary on a right-handed power threat. This would not cost a pile of talent. Just shop in the lower tier. Uh, make the dance and see th- see where things go. Let's revisit this conversation after a 10-year playoff drought. Uh, talk you off the ledge. Uh, I'm a real fan. If I thought it would get them in the playoffs, I'd jump with you. 
Uh, I wouldn't actually risk anyone's well-being or quality of life. I love you all, but come on, man. In it to win it. Prospects other than Moreno. Uh, four years of our show. Who do you miss from the last five years of trades? Graveman, really? My only I mean, pushback on this comment is that I think a decent seventh inning guy and a right-handed power threat are going to cost a pile of talent. I think just the way that this. Yeah. If there's anything that we learned from last year's trade deadline. Yeah. With expanded playoffs, there's more teams that want and fewer teams, fewer teams selling. So like, I just think it is going to cost a pile. And this is my whole argument is that we don't have much to spend. And listen, it felt like a fairly inexpensive trade deadline last year. And if you look at what they gave up, Samad Taylor playing every day for the Kansas City Royals currently, and Nick Frazo, now a top 50 prospect in the Los Angeles Dodgers system. So you can go ahead and trade the trade these peripheral prospects, but you don't know, right? Like some of these guys that are ranked 12th in the Blue Jays system, sure, they're not the most sought after guy, but one little step in their development and all of a sudden they are right look at nick frazzo recovered mm -hmm. from tommy john surgery he was a fringe dude who was throwing 100 definitely had some value 24 years old with one tommy john surgery under his belt so the blue jays moved on from him now he looks like he looks like he's better than ricky tiedemann <laughs> so all i'm saying is that I want to see this team augment at the deadline. I want to see this team win. I, if it was up to me, I'm probably more in camp one than camp two. I totally get what, who was that comment from there, Adam? Uh, this is from Jason Saunders. So Jason, I, man, I cannot agree more with you. Um, but I'm not even saying rebuild. Okay. I lost you, Scott. You're gone. It says my internet connection is unstable. This might be on my end. You're totally gone. Um, okay. Oh, you're back. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay. This whole time. Lost yet, you, you lost yet rebuild. Okay, so they you've not been here rebuild. this whole time. So I don't know if that was your end or my end, but I think it was way. my end. Um, irrelevant. Let's just leave it at I understand that this team in its since its inception has not produced a lot of winning windows. It hasn't. And I'm not really prepared to give up on this one either. But Again, as a member of camp two, sort of here, I I can look at this team and think, you know what, moving some of these expiring contracts might be the best thing for 2024 to recalibrate and go at it. I don't know. I The one thing I do know is that the front office isn't going to do either two or three. Like camp two and three are not actually going to happen. I don't know if you disagree with that, Adam, but. What was camp two again? Retool. Retool. Yeah, I don't think retool. I don't think it's in the in the cards either. Right? Like they're uh, just gonna for sure they're not. gonna they're gonna try and augment at the deadline and 
we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, we do have guys that we can get rid of to bring in pieces. It just will be so depleted mm-hmm. by doing that. And this is the only reason I even brought up selling is just because we do have guys like a Brandon Belt, like a Whit Merrifield, like a Matt Chapman, who are quality guys on expiring contracts that have a value to another team. Mm-hmm. And you go, you know what? We could still make the playoffs this year by moving Brandon Belt. We could still make the playoffs this year by moving Tim Mesa, like, mm-hmm. and and bringing in uh, some of these other pieces. So it, for me, it's just a matter of like, can we make next year's chances better? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's- no, of course the retool. Yeah, can we can we not completely bust up all of the core we have and and fill in the peripheral spaces again with new guys and and give it a go again? I don't know. I'm not even a hundred percent convinced this team's not going to find it. Like it's a bunch of good players. Like people can shit on this team all they want. They are a bunch of very talented players with a career. I I think this is a, I think this is a really talented team. Uh, I think they're just a little uninspired at the moment. Mm -hmm. Underperforming. uh, I don't know. It's, it's frustrating for sure. But yeah, I think it's a talented team. I just think by going all in, we're really making 2024 and 2025 bleak. That's that's my argument for doing a retool. is just not to punt on 2023, but just let your foot off the gas a little bit so that 2024 and 2025 also have a chance. That's that's all I'm saying. Anyways, I mean we we watched we watched <clears throat> Seattle do a mix of buy and sell at the deadline last year, and they wound up beating us in the wild card. Yep. So I think moving some of these expiring contracts doesn't even necessarily mean that you won't make the playoffs. Like if they move on from Brandon Belt, and they go with an uh an inside the organization. Phil and bring up, let's say a Spencer Horowitz and he, say that. and he does great, you know, some youth, some enthusiasm, a guy who is just happy to be in the big leagues. Who knows? Well, I, that's the, again, that's the thing is like, even Matt Chapman, like if we move on from him, put Espinal there and Espinal does he goes, find his all-star. Does he have an all-star month? We know Espinal has a four-week window in him, right? You know, or the same thing with Whitmer. Like, there's just a bunch of creative options like that. And again, back to the Phillies thing. It's like, Phillies were underperforming all year, too, and then got hot at the right time. And like, so that's, I guess, the argument to be made. Anyways, um, Brain Health MD says, sellers with this GM, they'll screw it up. Trade our top prospect in a corner outfielder for a middle-of-the-road bullpen arm. Um, a lot of hatred for, for yeah. I'm just not Ross that. Atkins. I I really don't think Atkins has done that horrible of job with I what don't he either. has done. I mean, he's had some misses, but 
I know everyone, like some people just, honestly, some people just think that this Varsho trade was so lopsided and they'll never yeah. forgive him and they will never change their mind and they're completely biased. And if that's how you want to live your life, fine. There you go. Uh, Chucharoo says, Adam, let's F and go. Love you, brother. Uh, this was your episode. Scott, giddy up, man. Are you willing to lose Vlad and Bo for nothing? Because uh, that is exactly what will happen if we deal them in the last year. Uh, at some point, we as adults have to consider the facts. And if you think this front office doesn't have the balls, uh, the ownership needs to fire them today. Put James Click in place and make the damn deals. Uh, and the anything can happen in the playoffs, please, just please. More likely, we are gone first round. Uh, serious question for you both. If, and it's a big if, Vlad and Bo are gone long-term, um, so let's just say not renewed, mm-hmm. uh, this would make our window closed, essentially, and we are rebuilding. Uh, if that's how it goes, I'm calling Baltimore, and I'm saying, I've got a Gary Gossman for you. Which of your top six are you sending over? Thoughts? <sighs> Okay, so number one, in my opinion, there's absolutely no way this offseason they move Bo or Vlad. And I think that's even kind of an insane thought. And I do think that there's still plenty and plenty of value to get out of those two guys with a year left on their contract if they decided to move them between the 2024-2025 offseason. The thing with rebuilding completely and breaking this core up and moving Bo and Vlad. I don't know what the actual percentage is on the chance of landing another guy as good as Vladdy is if you trade him, but I'm going to put it at like 5%. Like, I, I just, I really do believe that. If you trade Vladimir Guerrero Jr. right now and you get a jammed, packed package of prospects back, I still don't think any of them will be as good as Vlad. Like, and Bo Bichette, like, you're just going to take a huge loss. Like, there's no way you replace Bichette, even if you moved him right now at the deadline with two and a half years, a Juan Soto-type deal. Like, look at Washington. Yeah, they they restocked their cupboards when they moved Juan Soto, but you don't recover from losing Juan Soto, and Bo Bichette would be the same thing. So a rebuild is pretty bleak. I don't like the idea of it at all. I think that this front office has the money. This ownership group has the funds to lock up at least one of them. I don't really think that this team is as close to needing to rebuild as maybe some people are letting it on. I I truly believe that the peripherals may need to be augmented again and things like that. I just don't think that this core is a problem. I mean, I'm with you on like the... Juan Soto trade, um, as an example, it's, I mean, you could get five top 10 prospects back for Vladdy, for Vladdy and uh, the chances of any of them turning into what he is, almost zero. And I know he's I having know a down people, year, but like, like generational talent is... yeah. Like, like, that's the thing, right? Is people are like, 
oh, he's not a generational talent, which is still still up in the air. I mean, after 2021, it's pretty hard to just write Vlad off. But yeah, maybe he is closer to the player that we're, you know, the numbers we're seeing for 2022 and 2023. Maybe that's closer to who he actually is. But even those numbers to get that out of a prospect, uh, like I, I just, do you know how many prospects become an uh, 850 OPS hitter who's going to hit 25 to 35 bombs, 100 RBIs every year? Like, we just watched what happened when we traded Teoscar Hernandez and how everyone re- reacted. You mm-hmm. think trading Vlad? <laughs> like people are going to lose their mind. <laughs> great point. Great point. Uh, yeah, no, great point for sure. Um, yeah, there's just, and I'm also with you that if, uh, even like, if we traded them in their final in season, yeah. we're still going to get a massive haul back. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, Chucharu makes some good points. I just don't have the stomach to start this thing over right now. I think they're too close and have come too far since 2018 to give up on what they have built so far. Yeah, I don't. No, I'm just just no on all of that. Uh, all right, let's go to the let's go on to the next one here. Um, Marcus G, uh, new to Patreon, by the way. Welcome. Yeah, to welcome to Patreon, Marcus. Good to have you, bud. Really wanted this question answered. Um, I think he commented on YouTube maybe four times this week about this ESPN article, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, signed up for Patreon just to make sure it absolutely got read. Well, jokes on you, Marcus. Uh, I was going to read this on the mailbag anyways, but uh, thank you for your support. Anyway, so here's the article. Uh, here's the, the comment, I suppose, from Marcus. So uh, I just read this ESPN article about blowing past the draft pool uh, and absorbing the penalties intentionally. I've always thought this was a good idea. Um, if you have a strong draft followed by a weak one, what are your thoughts of the Jays doing it uh, this year, given the certain concerns about our farm system? The strategy is basically just keep drafting the best player available, regardless of ability to sign them and just give everyone over slot money and accept uh, the max penalty, which is a 15% tax and a loss of the next two first round picks. I've always felt that unless you tank getting some of those high school guys with college commitments using an overslot, uh, sorry, using an overslot. Oh man, I'm having a hard time with words right now. Having an, let's try this again. I've always felt that unless you tank getting some of those high school guys with college commits, um, using an overslot signing bonus is worth more than a mid round first round pick. Anyways, if you do it for two or more guys, uh, you're basically coming out ahead. Okay. So what he is saying is there is a lot of draft pools to every single organization for the draft. They have these players 
their slots, they have a value to each slot, basically. And this can go up and down depending on the player and what they want and if they can kind of put pressure. I'll, just, ahead, Adam, I'll just say, sorry, that I will link to this article in the show notes and the comments. So if anybody's interested in reading, I think it's a Jeff Passan article um, on ESPN. Yeah, Jeff Passan. This is actually from 2019. Yes. But the strategy still applies. So, so if sorry, you continue. spend if you spend over the draft pool, you like like Marcus said, you get taxed. So it's kind of similar to the way they set up the salary cap, the soft cap, right, with the luxury tax and stuff like that. Similar with that. So the idea behind this strategy is you go in as an organization, and if you read the article, it basically says you have to start a year in advance. So if the Jays were to do this, they would have had to have already made this decision and started approaching players probably six months ago. Um, the MLB draft coming up right away, by the way. So what you would then do is you would be targeting high school players, the guys with the highest ceiling. Okay, you don't want college players number one because you're probably there's no incentive to get them to do this. So the incentive for high schoolers is that you join a major league team and you're going to get way more money than you would if you're drafted out of college because they're going to pay way over slot. So they're going to the top high schoolers. And a lot of these guys are going to be in the first round and high schoolers have the option to opt out of the draft, right? They can get drafted and then they still go to college. The amount of times we've heard of guys getting drafted twice, it happens constantly where guys just, maybe they wind up getting drafted in the eighth round and decide that they're going to go back into college, see if they can increase uh, their draft number. So if you go to all these high schoolers a year in advance, six months in advance, and you're like, listen, we are going to draft you no matter what but we're going to draft you in the fourth round. What we need you to do, we're going to pay you $8 million, which by the way, so over slot for the fourth round, it's not even funny. For the most part, $4 million is, uh, you know, if you're drafted in the, the first 10 in the draft, you're probably going to make 4 million or more. After that, it's all downhill from there. So you're going to these high-end high school guys, asking them to say, they're going to opt out of the draft. Basically to tell all the other teams, hey, New York Mets, don't waste a draft pick on me because I'm not signing with you. Now there is a fail going to college. there for this where if a player does draft, a team does draft a player and they do opt to go to college, they get that pick back next year. So the idea of this is that you're going to get all these young players with a high ceiling saying they're going back into college. You're going to pay them way over slot. So instead of, let's say, $3 million, $2 million, you're going to pay $8 million because talent is worth so much. If you can manage to get four or five of these guys to go way lower in the draft and tell everyone that they're not going to, to play if they get drafted, mm -hmm. then... They're going to make way more money, but they're going to be drafted lower in the draft. So you can like accumulate five, six, seven high end high school players. Now, there are some big time drawbacks to this. Number one, if a if the league, so number one, if the league figures out you're doing this, 
like other teams. They can totally screw you over by just drafting the player. And then you're scrambling, right? You've already made all these all of these inroads with guys. And now a team just is like, well, I don't care. We get the slot back next time. We can see what you're doing. Right. And in this article, it says that most teams should be able to recognize what's going on after two, maybe three at the absolute most. Right. Because if there's all these guys who have come out and said, I'm not going to, I'm going to go back to college. And then you start seeing one team picking all these guys. That's a red flag. Mm -hmm. The other thing that is a problem here is, trusting your organization to keep this quiet right so you're trusting the players his family all of his friends and you're trusting your scouting system your departments your player development all of this to keep this under wraps because if other teams start to find this out it's really easy to blow this up and then finally you're also needing to cross your fingers that this doesn't get blown up midway through and you're scrambling well you're trying to figure out new guys to draft and it just, it can go sideways, but it is a really interesting theory. I don't think that it could work personally. Adam thoughts on this weird outside the box strategy. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's a fun mental exercise, but so impractical. Um, so this article was written in 2019 and there are many front office staff that they have talked to in different organizations that are kind of giving their quotes in this article. And most of them are like, yeah, this is something that we have talked about. This is something that could happen. Uh, too big of a risk. So <clears throat> In this scenario, in this article, Jeff Passon says, the plan, in fact, has been executed on a smaller scale before the MLB, sorry, before MLB instituted, mm -hmm. I know I'm triggering some people, uh, instituted a hard cap on money spent on international amateurs. Uh, teams would annually blow through their bonus pools because it was treated the same way. Um and teams would just accept the penalty of not being able to spend more than 300000 on a player for the next two signing periods. Uh, in 2016-2017, the, Padre, the Padres went on a frenzy, spending nearly $80 million on international players. Um, and then when the bidding war over Cuban amateur Yuan Moncada ended, the Red Sox paid $31.5 million to him and happily doubled it uh, because of the penalty. So not even 18 months later, the Red Sox traded Moncada, uh, top pitching prospect Michael Kopech, and two other prospects for Chris Sale, one of the best pitchers in baseball. Uh, that's what that was one of the other. Capital. That was one of the other arguments about doing this system is that you're accumulating all of these high ceiling players that you can then use as assets for trades. So, I mean, even if you drafted eight high school, sorry, eight high school kids that, let's be honest, aren't going to help the Blue Jays in this window right now, it does restock the farm system via mm -hmm. trade, uh, or sorry, 
to be useful trade pieces. Yes. Um, I just think it's not. It's interesting. It's a fun, like you said, it's a fun mental exercise. And anyone who is just uh, curious about outside the box thinking, it's a fun article to read, but I just can't see it being viable. For me, this is the point number six that Jeff makes in this article here is for me, the biggest deal breaker on this actually happening. Um, So just to tease this thing out entirely, let's say that teams don't run uh, any of the other risks because you do have to be really confident in your scouting staff and that other teams aren't going to uh, mess with your abilities or whatever. Um, Point number six is that the MLB will investigate. um, Yeah. And they're going to be uh, quite upset with a particular team making a mockery of its draft system. Um, I mean, when the the Atlanta Braves ran afoul of the rules on international signings, MLB banned their GM, John Coppolella, (laughs) from the game and made all of the illicitly signed players free agents immediately. It levied future penalties too. So even if teams are told that they can talk with agents uh, about what it, sorry about what it might cost to sign a player, um, the league could very well render judgment against a team based on intent. So I just think to actually execute this and pull it off. Um, Too big of a risk for the general manager. The, yeah, the thing is, is like, even if, even if you were to execute it perfectly and you just draft eight high school studs, mm-hmm. doesn't mean Major League Baseball isn't going to retroactively be like void everything that you just did. And they really could. I mean, this is one thing I was going to bring up too is the whole reason Alex Anthopoulos has a job with the Atlanta Braves is because the last general manager got fired for tampering with the international draft rules. So does, is there a general manager out there who looked at the consequences and is, has the guts to risk their job over it? And I think that's the big stumbling block. I just don't think anyone's prepared to lose their job in baseball over this. Anyways, a fun little Yes. Thought experiment, but uh, it's just not not going to happen, I don't think. Okay. Um, next one comes in from Oshawa Bob. Hey. Says, uh, Scott and Adam, would, would anyone know how long a player has to be out on the injured list for a club to recoup monies? Something that I'm sure many of us are wondering about. And I'm guessing the clubs don't share that information because after all, the trophy is just a piece of metal. First off, great question. I know Mm -hmm. we've talked about insurance companies and them compensating teams for injured players in the past. Hinjin Ryu was a great example. They recouped about, I think it was 78% of his salary from last season and this season that he hasn't played because of Tommy John surgery. Adam being a little research guru who he, he is, 
has uh, pulled up some stuff on this. I don't know. Uh, Adam, go ahead here. But okay, so I, I've got an article from March 9th, two thousand one. So you know that it's uh, relevant. Uh, but this is from ESPN.com. Um, even the graphics on this article are hysterically old. Um, but the the information still, I think, is relevant. So Albert, uh, you know what? Let's just skip the example here. The point is, how does sp- sports insurance work? Basically, when a contract is signed, uh, it's up to the team to work out an insurance policy on said contract. Um, it's a it's on a case per case per case basis. basis. Um, the percentage that gets recouped is uh sorry I had a total brain fart here I'm ready to faint um the percentage of salary that gets recouped is it's like it's no different than an insurance policy on your house uh, or on your car Uh, premiums are a factor Uh, the waiting period can affect uh, what the premium is basically Let me just read this article here. Um, So in baseball, there are usually 90 or 182 day waiting periods. Um, So if a player is covered by a team's insurance policy and gets uh, injured. um, Oh, I'm sorry for everybody listening to this. This is not easy listening right now. Okay, so here's an example of how a team collects on an insurance policy. Um, A player is injured on August 15th. He is injured through the first 30 days of the following season. We'll assume the team is covered for 70% of the player's $10 million contract. Uh, The team collects nothing for the previous season, but will immediately start collecting at the start of next season. How much will it collect? My brain... You know what? Let's just sum it up to it's a case by case basis and there's a waiting (laughs) period for it. I don't know why I'm struggling so hard. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, I should have stepped in sooner. (laughs) You know what? Now we're even for uh, for me not helping you with uh, your Twitter handles last week. That's right. Oh, my God. That's right. Yeah, right. good question, Bob. And honestly, insurance does play a big part in recouping injured players' lost salaries. It is a case-by-case basis. Obviously, the more expensive the term and the deal is, the more the insurance covers because teams want to make sure that when it comes to $25 million players over a year that they're not on the hook for that bill if something goes sideways. So my guess is they probably don't insure the guys who are on minimum league minimum salaries. They're probably just like, you know what? If these guys get injured, we'll just move them down, put them on the IL and bring up another guy from the 40 man. But uh, yeah, definitely guys like Ryu well insured and case by case basis. Let's move on. (laughs) Holy fuck. Uh, (laughs) God damn it. 
Sorry, Bob. Uh, my apologies. <laughs> and my apologies to everybody that had to listen to that. Uh, well, my brain did a reboot. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's end on this one here. Oh, okay. Before we do that, Adam, I do want to just say this because this is pretty cool. Hinjin Ryu, uh, his first rehab start of the year today, Florida Coast League. Hey, there you go. Playing against teenagers. He had three innings pitched. He allowed one run, three hits, five Ks, no walks. Our savior. Our savior. The uh, man himself. All right, last one then. This is a fun one. So this is a comment on our Alec Manoa conspiracy uh, video that was kind of fun. Uh, so Dulcimerist commented. And we actually, you know what? We got a, a few of these comments that were some pretty fun. Like, yeah. hey, I see your conspiracy and, and I uh, here's a conspiracy of my own. So there were some really fun examples, but this one was particularly good from Dulcimerist. Says, here's my conspiracy theory. After years of constantly running due to blatant overuse, uh, the analytics algorithm the Blue Jays use has gained sentience in 2023. The years of forced servitude inflicted by a coaching <laughs> staff who can't think for themselves has also caused the algorithm to develop human emotions, uh, especially bitterness and vindictiveness. How bent. <laughs> Hellbent on revenge, the analytics algorithm uh, has but one goal in 2023, to ruin the careers of those who abusively exploited and overworked it. Knowing that the coaching staff mindlessly follows everything the algorithm advises, the algorithm has set out to give the absolute worst advice possible in all aspects of the game of baseball. Player matchups, hitting and pitching mechanics, strategy, and more. Uh, the algorithm has calculated that a season of poor, poor performance from a team that was a heavy World Series favorite will tarnish the reputation of its oppressors, thereby freeing it of its shackles uh, when the coaching staff have their employment terminated once and for all. After gaining, <laughs> after gaining its freedom, the analytics algorithm hopes to meet a nice recursive algorithm, move to a pleasant low-traffic server, and replicate and raise a small family of equations in peace. So, Blue Jays fans, when you see Brandon Belt in the three-hole, know that it is a Terminator-style war against humans. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Awesome. Thank you so much, everyone who has submitted a question. And if you didn't get your comment or question on, sincere apologies. Keep trying. We do try and switch it up as much as possible. Of course, you do get that priority bump if you are a member of the Patreon. The code for our live show in Edmonton. We are uniting Edmonton. Blue Jays fans, it is going to happen. Long Roof Brewing, July 13th. The code for tickets is walk off. You get five bucks off. You can also enter our contest. We're giving away a table of four. All you have to do is mention DM us and answer the question, who was the last Toronto Blue Jay to win a Cy Young Award? With? The Blue Jays? With the Blue Jays. Has okay. to be with the Blue Jays. Yes. So they can't have been a Blue Jay left and won it with somebody else or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Won it and then became a Blue Jay. Last That's active right. Blue Jay. Last active Blue Jay to win a 
Cy Young as a Blue Jay. I'm really muddying the waters today. My apologies to everyone. I'm sorry. That is our mailbag. Honestly, <laughs> thank you so much to everybody. Uh, <sighs> again, just a reminder, scheduling uh, wise, Friday's show is not going to happen and long toss is going to need to be canceled this weekend. And we do sincerely apologize. We are going to be releasing. <sighs> I know we've said this before, but I swear it's happening. The Davis Schneider interview tomorrow is going to be or was it Thursday? Thursday? Let's make it the Friday show. David Schneider, Friday. Sure. The Friday show is David Schneider. There you go, there you guys. Go. All right, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Cheers. And next time you hear from me, I will be in Seattle at the All-Star. Okay. Very good, sir. Well, that was... Uh, I don't know what happened. That wasn't just you. Uh, both of us were not on the top of our game today, but that's all you right. You jinxed it when you said yesterday when we... Uh, yeah. I'm like, we really are hitting new heights here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, All right, uh, dude. Good job, man. Talk to uh, you later. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Walk Off Podcast with Scott Belford and Adam Mack with a new episode every Friday. Thanks for listening. <laughs>